Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that's predicting the future. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who has been to game day one time. Yeah, I believe that's true. That's me, Ryan Newman. And I'm joined by the other brother who was there that day as well. I was there that day as well. That's Trey Newman. Wasn't a good day. <laughs> it was not a good day. It was Nebraska no. or USC at Nebraska. What was the score of that game? 49-31, I believe. Hmm. Not great. It was a very it was a it was a tough day for me. I didn't know who to cheer for. Yeah, you were still in your tweener phase. <laughs> <Didn't>? <laughs> yeah. I was a freshman at USC. So yeah. anyway. On today's episode, we are going to look ahead and predict the ESPN game day locations for every week of the 2019 season. Uh, But first, we usually like to start the show out when we can by talking about how great we are. So, Trey, did we get a review? We got another review? We did. We got a five-star review uh, from Ben Schoenfeld or Schoenfeld. Sorry, I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce that. But uh, you say, big fan, keep up the good work, guys. Look forward to your episodes every week. And he ends it with, go Gators. All right. Well, thanks so much for the review. Uh, We really appreciate anyone leaving us a review in their podcast app. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at College Football Football Bros and on Twitter at CFB Bros. But let's get into some some more spring games. Ryan, what'd you take away from uh, the games we had this past weekend? All right, I'll start us off with uh, one of the biggest storylines is the Buckeyes game, Ohio State. Justin Fields, that was the the huge news there. He didn't look all that good, had his struggles. He was uh, 4 of 13 for 131 yards and a touchdown. But one of those completions was a 99 or a 98-yard touchdown pass. So you take that, that one and out, and then all of a sudden he's like 3 of 12 for 33 yards. So not very consistent. I mean, we we do realize he just got there not that long ago, but... No, no, he's that. done. He's done, yeah, man. He's, done. he's terrible. Just, just not super encouraging for the first time you really see him in a Buckeye uniform. But uh, it, it's his jobs to lose, no doubt. Matthew Baldwin is supposedly in competition with him, but I think we all kind of know it's, it's going to be Fields. And I did see last year that uh, Dwayne Haskins was nine for nineteen in the spring game. So, well, there you go. And look how look how he turned out. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, then the other one I have, I had uh, the Gators. Speaking of uh, Ben Schoenfeld, go Gators. Uh, very high scoring game. The orange team beat the blue team 60 to 35. So I don't think Todd Grantham was really working hard that day. Um, <laughs> Felipe Franks, he looked like uh, the quarterback we kind of saw at the end of last year. He was playing really well. He had great stats, had 327 yards passing and five total touchdowns so it's kind of crazy though Felipe Franks the turnaround I mean a year ago I mean Gator fans were kind of ready to run him out or at least they kind of wanted somebody else maybe to take over that job and he's clearly the guy now no doubt yeah he had to shush his own crowd at one point (laughs) yeah that's brutal (laughs) won't have to do that this year I don't think no all right I uh I'm gonna touch on Michigan to start out uh, their offense certainly looked different. They had their new offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis. Uh, he said it would be different, and it certainly was. They didn't huddle and ran mostly from the shotgun, so they were running a lot of spread. Their up-tempo style is something that it's probably going to take some getting used to for 
for Harbaugh especially and and Michigan fans. Uh, a couple players were quoted that their their play names used to be so ridiculously long, and they think it's cool that now they're more simple and they come off those large play cards. All right. Did you guys also see at that uh, the the um, I don't know if it was at the spring game, but someone flew a plane over the their practice. I, I saw like a headline about it. Yeah. What it, it's it's it said something like it was hey, like Jim. A- this is God. It's it's okay to pass it on first down. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Pretty funny. <laughs> that was good. Um, another one I'm going to touch on, which wasn't exactly uh, an official spring game, but more of kind of an open scrimmage, was Miami. Uh, the storyline here was Tate Martell. He, he had a pretty ugly start. Uh, he went three and out in his first series. Then in another series against the first string defense, he threw a pick. And actually, Nikosi Perry... He got the initial reps with the first team offense, and and according to reports, he looked pretty good. Uh, Jaron Williams as well. He led Miami on three scoring drives out of his first four. So it's maybe not necessarily a given that Martel's going to get that job come this fall. Yeah, it does definitely does not look like a given at this point. From what I've read, Jaron Williams throughout camp has has been the best guy. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, like you said, their their spring game. I think their official spring game is this upcoming weekend. So. We'll have to wait and see how that one goes. Yep. Um, yep. I've got uh, three schools here I want to talk about. Oklahoma, that was a big story. J- big story. Jalen Hurts looked great. Not too surprising. He was 11 for 14, 174 yards and a touchdown. Also had a touchdown on the ground. Yeah, looks like Lincoln Riley is is yeah, acclimating. It's just gonna it's gonna work out just fine, probably, huh? Yeah, I think their offense is gonna be fine. Their three freshman receivers played really well: Bridges, Weiss, and Hazelwood. So. Yeah, they'll be just fine on offense, I think. Sure. And then, oh, and also Hertz uh, had that choreographed celebration that he said he never would have done at Alabama. Oh, yeah, can't do that at Alabama, sure. No. Other game I want to talk about is Minnesota, mostly because of one play. Yeah. They had a first and goal from the seven-yard line, and they handed it off to 6'9", 400-pound offensive tackle Daniel Falale, and he rumbled in for the touchdown so i, I would have stopped him for sure yeah yeah i'm sure yeah. you would have yeah. no one could stop him i really think you're gonna see that during the season I, I don't think that's just a fun thing for the spring game i think they'll i think they're gonna run that think? at some point if they were gonna use it i don't think they would have done it in the spring game yeah that's a good point maybe they should have kept that a secret but i don't think it matters <laughs> you could line up the box with all 12 guys that are all uh, have i ever watched football before <laughs> you could put the 12 guys in there why not I would but, like to see it. I, you know, why not? I'd like to see them try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, but they could at least use them as a decoy too. So, yeah. Um. Anyway, football has eleven guys. I just want to make sure. I knew that. Oh, I just I forgot for a second. <laughs> um. The real story, though, from from this spring game is uh, the quarterback situation. So Zach Anikstad and Tanner Morgan both played decent at quarterback. There's still no decision there. I would favor Morgan just based on the way he played at the end of last year, but. That race is definitely going to go into the fall. And then the last game I have here is Auburn. And again, the story there is is quarterback play. Joey Gatewood, the redshirt freshman quarterback, and true freshman Bo Nix seem to be the two guys who have the edge in that race. And they both played really well. So, yeah, again, that was that's obviously very encouraging for Auburn. They were looking good. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll have to wait and see who uh, who gets the start in the fall, I think. I had uh, some final final notes on on some spring games oh, was uh, at least from this past weekend about attendance. 
Uh, Nebraska actually led the way with uh, over 85,000 at their spring game, which is far and away the most this spring. Uh, The next closest so far has been just over 60,000, both Alabama and Ohio State and and, uh, and Clemson all reported about 60,000. So that's pretty impressive. That's crazy that you can sell out for a spring game. I mean, it's nuts. There is no place like Nebraska, and we're not. We're not. This is uh, bias aside, right? Oh, bias absolutely. I, yeah, that, of course. It's just. A, I mean, if I was a neutral fan, just kind of looking at that figure, it's pretty jaw dropping. Yeah. All right, Ryan. It's uh, time for some play index trivia. So, guys, I looked up the top ten career rushing leaders since two thousand. That's what the play index does. So, since two thousand, um, it's actually included. Power Five and G Five. There's some G Five names on there, but they're very recognizable. So, all right, okay, okay. I'll toss them, toss them in there too. So, let's start with number ten. We have um, from 2009 to 2011 at Oregon. Uh, is that Jonathan Stewart? Ooh, no. I'm gonna say more like uh, um, either either uh, Michael James or. Boom, 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 ding, 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 ding. LaMichael James. Very good, Trey. Yep. I went too, too old. Yeah, a little too old there. Yep. Very good, Trey. Yeah, he had over 5,000, 5,082 to be exact. So in just wow, three years, that's a, pretty crazy. He's a small guy too. Yeah. All right. Moving on to number nine. We have from Wisconsin, 2009 to 2012. Hmm, this was before Melvin Gordon. So, yeah. Um, and it was obviously way after Ron Dane. So, Monty Ball. There it is. Oh, there my we gosh. go. Monty Ball. Yep. It's a big name now that you think about it. It's, it can be hard, tough to remember. But, yep, he had 5,140 yards. So, great career there. All right. I'm I'm, banging, I'm counting on Michael to get this next one right. Um, Uh-oh. Number eight, we had uh, 2004 to 2006 from Northern Illinois. Yeah, that was... Um um garrett wolf there you go yeah that garrett wolf very good 5164 uh this next guy at number seven is tough he, this you probably won't get this one it's uh southern miss 2006 to 2009 this, this is the one that's doesn't really ring a bell even when i look at it so i'll give you guys a few seconds but oh I'll, I'll... i might i might be able to think of it um all right all right can you give me his initials uh yeah it's d f not DTF, DF. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I give up. Yeah, that one's a tough one. Damian Fletcher. He had over oh, 5,300 yeah. yards. I mean, the name sounds familiar now, but yeah, I wasn't going to come that, up that with it. That was the one really hard one on this. Uh, so we're moving on to number six from UW, 2015 to 2018. Your boy, Miles Gaskin. Yeah, Miles Gaskin, four year, over a thousand yards. He had fifty three, over fifty three hundred as in his career. So that was good. Good job, Trey. Uh, moving on to number five, we have from Northwestern, two thousand fourteen to two thousand seventeen. Justin Jackson. Booyah, Justin Jackson. Yep, he had over fifty four hundred yards. Uh, number four. This one's going a little bit further back. Uh, you got. From Texas, 2001 to 2004. Jamal Charles? No, that was... Uh, Charles played with Vince Young. Uh, uh, right. Cedric Benson? Cedric Benson. Nice. There you go. Yep, very good. He had over 5,500 yards. 
And then moving on to number three, you got from Oregon, 2014 to 2017. I remember him getting hurt in a game against Nebraska. I, yep. Yeah, he did. It was uh, oh God, Royce Freeman. Yeah, there you go. Royce Freeman. Yep. He had a great career at Oregon. Uh, over 5,600 yards. Um, good. Very good. Moving on to number two, we have from Memphis from 2002 to 2005. Was this like D'Angelo Williams? This was yeah. D'Angelo Williams, of course. All right. Yeah, I love being him in NCAA football. He was awesome. Huh. Uh, all right, yeah, he had over 6,000 yards career. And then moving on to number one, from San Diego State, 2013 to 2016. Donnell Pumphrey. Boom. Very good, Mike. Yep, Donnell Pumphrey. I wanted to say Rashad Penny, and then I, I stopped myself. <laughs> it is funny you have to think about that. Even at San Diego State, they had those that stable of running backs for a few years. Yep. I know. Could have been Ronnie Hillman, maybe. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had over 6,400 yards. I mean, just an unbelievable amount of yards there. So, all right. What'd you guys get? Like, you got seven out of 10, or I mean, nine out of 10, right? Yeah, well, I was going to get... say, the only one we didn't get was the... Yeah, I meant nine. Sorry. You just didn't get that Southern Miss guy, see? So... Yeah, there's a lot of big names. Yeah, that's a pretty good list. There's a lot of... It, I would never have guessed that Pumphrey was number one either. Yeah, yep. Job well done. All right. Well, then it is time for predicting the game day locations. So we're going to go through every single week. And why don't we start with week one? I thought we'd start with week one. Oh. oh why not week zero? Well, I don't think they do it for week zero. <laughs> they don't do it for week zero. <laughs> so that's why we didn't start with... Although, with that... Uh, they move that what that Florida Miami game Miami game to week zero. Yeah. I don't know if they'll do. I know they're doing the celebrating 150 years of college football thing. I don't know if game day will be a part of that, but who knows? Anyway, Trey, let's start with week one. You know, it, it does seem like a you know a daunting thing to kind of go through every week and kind of. But I will. I do recommend like the listeners to go through because it does. It makes it kind of fun to look at each week and see kind of the big games and see what's going to happen. But uh, hey, we're going to do it for them right now. All they have to do is listen. Well, we can tell them right now. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Week one, we've got, I went with, I think it's going to be Auburn versus Oregon in Dallas. I, I think it's the clear choice. Uh, it's a big year for both teams. Malzahn obviously needs a big year to stay off the hot seat, and he's going to be breaking in a new quarterback, as we touched on a little bit ago. Oregon has been recruiting very well, and they have the all-everything quarterback Justin Herbert back so he can start his big campaign in, in this game in particular yeah that sounds pretty good um all right moving on to week two uh it's got some really good games but I think it's really between two and you got LSU at Texas and Texas A&M at Clemson you know you can't go wrong with either one uh but I'm gonna go ahead and say they'll be in Austin for LSU Texas something about that matchup just yeah seems pretty awesome and ESPN's partnership with the Longhorn Network, certainly won't hurt hurt their chances. Uh, but, you know, Texas A&M Clemson happen, happened last year, and I don't know, just LSU Texas, man. That's going to be awesome. So, Yeah, I think that's a more unique matchup yeah, for exactly. sure. And and Clemson's going to be a, what, they're 15-point favorites right now against A&M. So. Yeah. yeah, that LSU Texas game should be pretty darn close to about a pick em if you had to say at this point. All right, week three was a really tough week for me you had oklahoma at ucla but i don't think ucla is good that's enough not that tough what's that 
that's not that great of a game. No, it's not. Well, so maybe I shouldn't even have included it. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough because there's not good games or because... Well, I'll, there are some good games to get to. I'm starting low. I'm starting low. I'm just saying I considered it. <laughs> Pretty low. I know. So I started out, I looked at, at uh, South Alabama and Troy and... No. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, Troy. I shouldn't Jaguars have... are going to be pretty good. Well, I'm sorry to both teams. I shouldn't have included you in that. No, no I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, UCLA, yeah, they might lose at Cincinnati and at home to San Diego State to start out the year, or they, they could lose one of those games easily. So They'd probably lose at least one. Avoiding that, Stanford at UCF, possibility, Pitt at Penn State, Alabama at South Carolina. But ultimately, I think it's going to come down to two games as well. Uh, one of them is Clemson at Syracuse. And both of these teams that – so Syracuse has never – hosted a game day so that that's a po- some potential intrigue there yeah that's an appeal but and these games of course the last two years have been very good but i'm i'm gonna say this doesn't get game day even though i mean i guess if i'm being objective here it it might be the favorite to get game day but i just think clemson's gonna be maybe like a two touchdown favorite there and even Syracuse could lose at Maryland the week before. That's that wouldn't be. That's the huge thing. If Syracuse needs to be undefeated, yeah. The, and at Maryland is no gimme. Uh, so so let's just say I'm going to avoid that one. I'm going to say Iowa at Iowa State gets game day. Oh wow! My God. I know that's what? going out on a limb here, but yeah, both teams are are very likely to be undefeated going into the game. I'm guessing they'll both be ranked. And it's just, I mean, that's such a great rivalry, I think. And and the fact that Iowa State has never hosted game day and the atmosphere for that game would be, I feel like it would be like Washington State last year for game day. So I just think it would be a great choice. I don't know if it will get picked, but that's that's my guess. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Moving on to week four. Uh, not a ton of options, but there is one game that that really just clearly sticks out, and it's Notre Dame at Georgia. Uh, the Irish, they'll most likely be 2-0. and Georgia most likely be 3-0. and uh, Notre Dame's going to be looking for revenge for their loss in South Bend a couple years ago to Georgia. And they're also trying to prove they belong in the upper echelon after their blowout loss to Clemson in the playoff last year. And then Georgia is going to be using this as a springboard to a big season if they win. All right. Yeah, that should be a great game. That seems like an easy choice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, moving on to week five here. Um, not the strongest slate of games this that week, uh, but I I think I could really see them ending up in Lincoln for the Ohio State-Nebraska game. Um, they haven't been there for quite a while because Nebraska hasn't really been all that worthy. Um, there's a pretty decent chance both teams will be 4-0 heading into that week. I mean, I know it's not a guarantee, especially for Nebraska, but Nebraska will be pretty big favorites in every single one of their games. At Colorado is probably the most questionable but should be big favorites there too so i think uh with scott frost there there should be an excitement in lincoln i hosting the buckeyes it seems like a logical choice that week yeah that seems like the pick uh all right moving on to week six we're already into october and there's some good choices here texas at west virginia michigan state at ohio state washington at stanford but ultimately i'm going with the game that's right now looks like the best on paper auburn at florida the only question mark here for me is Auburn. They need to get into this game with just one loss. They've got Oregon on a neutral tray, which you mentioned, at A&M, and then home to Mississippi State. Those are their three toughest games early in the season. If they win two of those three and they have one loss going in, then I think game day is going to be at this one. That would be awesome. That would be a fun game. Yeah, it would. Because uh, it's funny, even though they're in the same conference, Auburn and Florida just don't play each other that much. Yeah, uh, it 
doesn't feel like it. Um, all right, I'm going to go week seven. Now, this one was tough. Uh, it's between o- OU Texas, the Red River rivalry, and Florida LSU. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Oklahoma Texas because I think it's more likely that the these two teams will be unbeaten or at least have a better record than both Florida and LSU. Uh, but either either game would be fantastic. Uh, these teams, the the Texas and Oklahoma in particular, they split last year in 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 some exciting games, and then the storyline of is Texas really back will probably be very prevalent here, especially if they would have knocked off LSU earlier in the season. Right, yeah, I, I think I agree with you, Trey. I think the Red River rivalry there is probably the the leader in the clubhouse. Um, moving on to the week eight, uh, it just seems like man, I, when, as I was doing this, like the further we got, I got into the season, the harder it was to kind of predict where they would be. Um, yeah, because it just comes down to then sort of your opinion of of which teams are going to be good. You know, yeah, exactly who's going to be good. Yeah, so it's getting tough. Um, there's a handful of games where it it could be this in week eight, depending on how the season goes. But you got, I think Oregon at UW and Michigan at Penn State are probably the most likely candidates right now. And I'm going to say, you know, they're going to need to go out west at some point. So I'm going to say they go to Seattle for uh, for the Oregon UW game. You know, Chris Peterson is going to have a solid year at UW. Um, maybe not the best, but they'll I'm sure they'll still have a good year. And then, like, Oregon, you know, their expectations are pretty high. So, I, I can see them going out there for that. Okay, we are to week nine, October 26th. I thought about Auburn at LSU, but I really think the better answer here is Notre Dame at Michigan. Just because both teams have pretty manageable schedules up to this point. Notre Dame does have that game at Georgia, of course, which is tough. But other than that, manageable schedules, even if they both have one loss, you, you would still think this would be the pick for game day so yeah still a huge game that's what i went with yeah pretty solid pick there all right week 10 we've got georgia and florida in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party or whatever they call it now but i (laughs) I, that is the clear choice i think miami florida state oregon usc are also that weekend but they're unlikely to be as marquee as as those so especially you know as we as we've touched on in this this segment the way Mullen and the Gators finished last season it looks like this could really be a fun rivalry again it seems like this rivalry recently over the last say decade it's Georgia's either really good and Florida's not or vice versa so and not to mention this game is probably going to start deciding who wins the SEC East and that could also mean playoff aspirations are on the line so Georgia Florida here yeah yep that seems like the logical pick um all right, moving on to week 11. Uh, this one is obvious. There's really not a whole lot of debate. LSU at Alabama. Uh, they're going to Tuscaloosa for this one. So hopefully LSU will be able to show up and compete. You know, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. a good game. All right. Well, I feel like all of mine have been tough. Maybe I'm making it tough on myself by like earlier not picking uh clemson at syracuse maybe that was a mistake i'm, st- I'm yeah, just going with iowa versus iowa state i just i think i want it so much <laughs> what a big matchup that is i want it i just want it ryan okay yeah so, I guess so. that's why i went with that but it's got me rattled i feel like i made a mistake <laughs> yeah. you guys looked at me like i was nuts <laughs> uh, not a whole lot of people nationally care about that one well we do we do yeah we do we do anyway uh as i was saying we're week 12 now uh this one's yeah a tough again so 
Georgia at Auburn, I would say right now looks like the best game, but I just think I feel like by we're that point, Auburn this, a lot. I know I have. I've been bringing up Auburn every time. Yeah, but I I think by this point in the season, Auburn's going to have too many losses, especially with some inexperience at, at at quarterback. So they've got. I already mentioned Oregon at A and M and Mississippi State on the schedule, but before this game, they've also got at Florida and at LSU. So I'm throwing out this game because I just think Auburn will have too many losses by then. And instead, I'm going to go with Alabama at Mississippi State. So this is ooh, okay. Two Alabamas in a row, which yeah, that 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 happens. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of making I'm kind of making these picks independently. Also, yeah, because yeah. Who knows? We could be wrong about a week before, and it changes everything. But, it's hard to project. You know, for this game, the reason I'm choosing this is I'm going to be high on Mississippi State coming into the season, just like I was last year. Of course, you were. I know. I well, we've seen now we can trust Bob Shoup with the defense, and then. We'll see how they do without Sweat and Simmons, but they still be they still should be pretty good. No, there's there's definitely some losses to, yeah. to deal with, but I I still think they'll be pretty good. I mean, they're starting from a pretty amazing place last year. Yeah, no, it, so it's even good. losing those guys, they'll they'll be fine. And then offensively, I do have some questions about Keaton Thompson at quarterback, but I just have to think with year two of Joe Moorhead, the offense is going to be significantly improved. I don't think it's going to be where you know, uh, Moorhead wants it to be and where it will be once their, their young quarterbacks kind of get some experience, but I just think it's going to take a jump forward. So if they've got a loss or two here by this time, maybe two losses more realistically, I still think this could be the site for game day. Yeah. Yeah. Good. By the way, Michigan state at Michigan's that week too, but I don't know, not super high on Michigan state. So, yeah. So week 13, uh, Michael, this is another, this is a tough week. Uh, we've got okay. games like Texas A&M, Georgia, but I'm kind of thinking at that point in the season, given A&M's brutal schedule, I think they might have too many, too many losses. Uh, another game that, you know, sometimes game day likes to go a little off the radar if there isn't that true, true marquee game. Uh, and one of those could be in the Mountain West. You got Boise State at Utah State. Ah, Not okay. saying they're both going to be unbeaten or anything but if they were that could be a compelling matchup just yeah. to do something different yeah. jordan love at quarterback for utah state that, that's exactly but ultimately i think it's going to be penn state at ohio state um I, I the reason i'm leaning there is because these teams have played some classics over the last few years i mean literally the last three years have been incredible games yeah, been awesome um you know i'm not super high on penn state this upcoming season but looking at their schedule, it's it's manageable, not impossible. And so I don't think it's unrealistic that they'll at least be in the hunt for uh, the division come this matchup. So that's where I leaned in, in week 13. All right. I, I hope they go to, what is it, not, uh, Logan, Utah for <laughs> yeah. the Utah State. That would be sweet. I like, seeing, I like seeing them in different places. Yeah, yeah. Always cheering for the little guys to get game day. Um, all right, moving on to week 14. A uh, lot of good rivalry week games this week um we got the iron bowl you got notre dame and stanford bedlam clemson south carolina but ultimately i think they got to go to ann arbor for ohio state at michigan yeah that is the game of the week and most you would think i mean at this point it's it's a likely a, a good chance that that'll decide who wins the east as it did last year um so game of the week it's big game Okay. Uh, the last week we have then is conference championship week. I figure it's just a safe bet to go with the SEC championship. 
It's probably the most intriguing game, at least at this point. And I'll just project Georgia against Alabama. If if that's the case, then it's hard not sign to, me up. Hard not to go there. Yep. Yeah. And then the following week, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to pr- predict Army Navy. Oh, I think they're going to go wow. there. Bold. Yeah. yeah. Very very bold since they've been doing it every year since 2014. <laughs> um okay well hopefully we, navy can bounce back yeah yeah hopefully uh we got through that list very quickly uh i have a question for you guys though how many do you think that we just named correctly how many do you Ooh. think we got right as a group four four okay i'll i'll take the over i'll say five yeah I'll s- i'm gonna say seven of them seven wow okay yeah, yeah. i might have i might have messed us up by <laughs> By picking Iowa at Iowa State. Yeah, you, your, your Iowa-Iowa State ones really hurt. I'm just, I'm sticking with it. I don't care. Hey, you never <laughs> know. You never <laughs> Sometimes know. Sometimes you do. But no, I'll, I'll, yeah, that's a good, five's a good over-under. Maybe I might even lean slightly over five and a half. Okay. We should come back to this. We Yeah, we should. We should. We will. Definitely. It'll. It's honestly going to make, because uh, I'm not usually waiting on bated breath for where game day is going to go i mean it's an interesting thing to hear every week but yeah but now i am <laughs> now i <Yeah>. am <laughs> it's true I, I do you think they have a chance to go to usc mike i think usc can do it um oregon plays at usc but but that yeah oregon at usc i mean i think it's unlikely i just think usc especially since usc has such a tough schedule to start out the year that i don't know they could rack up a couple losses early but yeah who knows? Yeah. Nebraska, though, that Ohio State-Nebraska game, I think everyone is penciling that one in. Yep. Almost beat them last year in Columbus, so could happen. All right. Uh, let's move on to... We got an email uh, from Brad, and he says, I was out of town for the Shark Tank episode because I was traveling, but I have an idea to make college football more interesting that I would like to pitch. Relegation for the Power Five conferences. The idea is similar to what they do in European soccer. If a team finishes last in one of the Power 5 conferences, they would get relegated to a non-Power 5 conference. As an example, a team that finished last in the SEC would be relegated to the Sun Belt, and the winner of the Sun Belt would be promoted to the SEC. I feel like this idea would make it a lot more engaging for fans to track who might get promoted and who might get relegated. Love the show, and thanks, Brad. Michael is an all-star podcaster. Again, thanks, Brad. (laughs) No. Right. Oh. No, that's not part (laughs) of this. I wasn't supposed to read that one? Don't put words in Brad's mouth. (laughs) Uh, All right, Trey, what do you think about about this idea, though? So, it is an interesting and and unique idea. However, I think think the only entertaining part of this, to me, and more practical, would just to see the power conference team go down rather than the non-power team go up. So, using the example that he laid out, the SEC going down to the Sun Belt. So, like, using this past year, Arkansas would be going and playing in the Sun Belt this year, and Appalachian State would be going to the SEC. That would be awesome. I'd be entertained watching Arkansas next year having to play all the Sun Belt teams, but having App State go play in the SEC, I feel like, over the course of the season, might just be ugly. I mean, they're good, yeah, but... Whoa, whoa. They're good. They're good. I, I don't think they would have done any worse than Arkansas did this past year. So. <laughs> no, that's for sure. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> so but, I don't know. I see. I think that's what makes it interesting. You know, give. I, I don't know how you're going to pair up all the conferences. I'm sure. I, I think Brad did in the email say that, but but like with UCF, people people always say like, oh, if they had to be in a Power Five conference, they couldn't handle the week in week out grind. Well, right. Let's give them a chance. I. I mean, I love the idea. 
I think it's awesome. Um, just seems, I mean, I think the, I love the way they do it over in Europe with soccer. It's really cool. Add some intrigue. That um, gives those smaller schools kind of more of a incentive. Some more, more fans will follow them. I mean, it's never going to happen because the big schools <laughs> yeah. would never agree to it, but it would be sweet. It would be awesome. It's just never, never. It would work. also, it would also make those like those last place games pretty meaningful. Yeah. That's Absolutely. true. That's the thing. Cause who cares about Illinois Rutgers or something at the end of the season usually, yeah. but if you got relegation on the line, well, it would, it would also just only increase the parity across college football. I mean, you know, yeah. So for sure. I, I mean, and, it's a great uh, idea. Like a couple of years ago or whenever Tennessee went, what they went winless in the SEC, that would have been amazing to watch. Yeah. Fighting for their, for their SEC lives. But, um, and another thing, it would make the, uh, of course, the upper tier G5 games a lot more talked about and interesting. So obviously, it's a fun idea. And, you know, I've heard it before. Bill Connolly wrote about it a couple of years ago. Um, but like you said, Ryan, unfortunately, not going to happen. No, not. But it's it's a cool idea. All right. Trey, you have a top five list. Is that right? I, I do, actually. And Okay. You don't have to make one up like Ryan had to last episode? Yeah, no, I, not off. This is, <laughs> hey, I handled it pretty well. This is not off the cuff. But so the big sports news of this past weekend was Tiger Woods winning the Masters, of course, and he completed one of the greatest comebacks in sports after being out so long. And, Ooh, and I like where so, this is going. So keeping that theme in mind, I'm going to go with the top five greatest comebacks in college football. Nice. Ooh, all right. So. There, there, there are a lot to choose from, but but here's my list. So you know, disagree if you want at your own peril. But uh, <laughs> number five, UCLA versus Texas A&M. I was gonna say that game had to be on. There. How's this number five? Whoa! They 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 started the season off in 2017, and and you remember this one was dubbed the Hot Seat Bowl with Sumlin and Mora. Yeah. And A&M was up 44 to 10 towards the end of the third quarter. Then Rosen and the Bruins went wild. They were scoring. They somehow got stops when earlier in the game, Trevion Williams was going nuts. Um, it was this. It ended up being the second biggest comeback in FBS history, and it came down to the wire. That was an exciting game. It was unreal. Quite a game for Kellen Mond, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that was the game. Was he like? He was like one for fifteen. I don't know, something like that. My boy, your boy. Yeah. Number four, the 2016 Alamo Bowl. TCU won 47-41 against Oregon. Oh, yeah. Oregon led 31-0 at halftime. Now, I know that the the Ducks, their quarterback Vernon Adams, got hurt right before the half, but a 31-0 lead should be plenty. (laughs) Not to mention, TCU actually, I kind of forgot about this part, TCU had to start Bram Kohlhausen since Trayvon Boykin, their, their quarterback all year, was suspended. Crazy. And so TCU stormed back. They completed the biggest comeback in bowl history. Uh, that was an awesome game. Number three, uh, not as popular, or at least not as uh, memorable to our to our younger generation, but the 1980 Holiday Bowl. BYU won this one 46-45 against SMU. Jim McMahon, who obviously was uh, had great success in the NFL at the Bears, but he actually led this comeback for BYU. So this is crazy. I, I looked into this. With four minutes left, SMU led BYU 45-25. to After a touchdown, an onside kick, a touchdown, BYU was down 45-39. But SMU had the ball, and BYU blocked a punt with 13 seconds left, 
and they got it at the SMU 41. So it's not like they're right there in scoring position. Yeah. And then they had they had a couple incompletions, and the last play of the game, they had a successful Hail Mary, and then the extra point won it. That is nuts. Wow. That down That's 20 crazy. with four minutes is what you said? <laughs> oh, man. 20, down 20 with four minutes wow. in the Holiday Bowl. That, unbelievable. Wow. All right, number two. Michigan State, this is for, for Braden here. Michigan State beat Northwestern 41-38 in, in 2006. This Michigan State team, they weren't all that great this year, but this particular season, but they had Drew Stanton. And they, they started out the game up 3 nothing. They gave up 38 unanswered. So they were down 38-3 to with nine minutes left to go in the third quarter. And then they got hot. They cut it to 38-17 after the third, so they're still down 21. Yeah. But the Spartans also got lucky as they they intercepted a Northwestern pass in the end zone, and then later they blocked a punt. They ended up tying it with just over three minutes. They got another interception and kicked a field goal to win the game, and that stands as the biggest comeback in FBS history. Wow. 35, huh? Yeah. Now, number one is Auburn at Alabama. They were down... 24 nothing in the 2010 Iron Bowl. Now, the sheer points not as not as stunning, but the fact that it's a rivalry like that and what was on the line. Auburn yeah. was number 1 playing for the national title. They had Cam Newton and that in the Iron Bowl down 24 nothing on the road. And this is a this is a crazy stat. Halfway through the second qu- quarter, Alabama had outgained Auburn 314 to 2. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> and then and then you know the rest is history. They Auburn ended up winning 28-27 in a classic and and it helped Auburn end up winning the national title. So considering the circumstances, I think this was the one at the top. Wow, that is a awesome list. Yeah, that was that was maybe our best top 5 yet. That was a good choice. Yeah, that was. That was sweet. I can't think of like any that I would have been left out, you know. I'm trying to think of some that. Yeah, you know, that there happened, was a couple. But. There's the one where Miami and Maryland. Frank Reich led the comeback, um, which he then obviously did at the Bills. But I mean, it wasn't those teams weren't that great. Not that Northwestern Michigan State were that great, but that's the biggest one in history. So that kind of had to be included. Hmm. Yeah. How about uh, didn't consider uh, 2018 Oregon State at Colorado? Yeah, classic <laughs> game. <one>. Yeah. <laughs> there, <laughs> There have been some great ones. There's, it is, it's really hard to go through and make a top five. There's a lot of games, but, but these were the, the five I narrowed it to. All right. Awesome. Well, that'll do it. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. Let us know on Twitter which game day predictions you disagreed with the most. You can tell me I'm an idiot about Iowa, Iowa State. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm not it's not eating away at me this whole episode trust me I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, you, you look fine. I'm great. I got to give you credit. It's not like there's a a slam dunk choice that week though. Yeah, yeah, that was my thought. That was my thought. <laughs> um but actually to end the show here, I do have uh I have another surprise for you guys. I I want to play a clip which really kind of just shows how monstrous this podcast has become in the college football world. We uh submitted a question to podcast ain't played nobody on Twitter. And uh, here's here's how they uh, referred to us on the show. Okay, this is the, one of the best questions we've had in a long time. Okay, ready. I don't have an answer for it. I don't know if you will either. Uh, at CFB Bros, which looks like a podcast, college football bros. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> We're podcast guy. The reverence. We'll take it, brother. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> Any publicity is good publicity. Uh, there you go. There you go. But uh, no, the question they were talking about though was the. Um, 
the question, would you rather have the fifth ranked recruiting class and David Beatty or 20th and Chris Peterson? So I didn't, I didn't necessarily love their answers to that. Um, uh, I mean, I, if I may say so. It's okay to choose the the twentieth and Chris Peterson. That's a reasonable choice for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I thought I thought they were a little bit dismissive of the of the other option. The I, I think the difference like five and what's that? The one guy said forty. Yeah, Bill Connolly said it would have been a better question if it were the fortieth ranked class. Which I mean, at that point, you have to take the fifth class. I mean, there's such I mean, a massive difference. Yeah, there. that's come on now. Yeah, that's but maybe huge. Yeah, fair, but they've got a great podcast, so. No, I, it's true i yeah it's i mean the, the, they went on to like give their reasons and stuff and just yeah, yeah i don't know i felt like the numbers just didn't match with what they were saying right what right, they right. said after actually sounded good they just kind of went a little high with the number i thought but all right ryan are you calling them out are you is that what you're doing right now are we starting <laughs> to beef well you know i'm sure i could have been called out quite a bit on our podcast so maybe i should watch it <laughs> all right well thanks everybody for listening and uh we will talk to you next week You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.